0: Welcome to the Association Strong Podcast, where we offer insight from both a seasoned association exec and an entrepreneur. I'm Dave Will. And I'm Tom Morrison.
1: Listen as we discuss and debate hot topics in the association community. Don't forget to subscribe
0: and share us with your friends. Hey, Tommy Morrison, how are you doing today?
1: Dave, Will, man, I'm excited today because we have the, the guy at the top of the food chain when people talk what, about... What do you, who do we D. have,
0: Tom? Who do we have? Who's we at have the top R- of the food chain?
1: Reggie Henry from ASAE. <laughs> Everybody wants five minutes of his time, and he said, I'll give you 35 minutes, and I was so excited. I didn't sleep all weekend, man, because I can't wait for today's conversation.
2: <laughs> I, you know, this is either going to go really well. It was going to go really <laughs>
0: bad. <laughs> Reggie Henry, thanks for joining us. This is... I, I'd love having you here we've had a lots of really as you have with many many people actually really stimulating conversations and uh so tom and i were talking about some some interesting people in the industry we want to talk to and uh you were right at the top of the list so thanks thanks as you always do thanks for giving us some of your time
2: a pleasure to be here and i'm i'm as excited as always to learn as well as whatever i can get
0: so we, we were just talking, so Reggie Henry, for those of you that don't know, Reggie Henry is the Chief Information and Engagement Officer. You weren't, you didn't always have that title, right? Wasn't it CIO for a long, yeah. long time?
2: Yeah, it was CIO for for, when, for most of the time, actually.
0: When did it change and why did it change?
2: It changed probably, oh, I want to say four, four years ago now. And really at that time, ASAE was looking at, okay, what does membership really mean and need to look like moving forward and that at that time we decided you know what we need to engage differently with our associations and and at ASAE has always been a professional society i.e individuals as members you know we ran into a number of issues Um, one of those issues was we usually had one to three members at any association and for those associations where we only had one that person left we lost contact with that association right and so our, our our strategy switched to i don't want to call it an organizational membership because we're still a, a organization of individual members but we did implement a organizational buy of individual memberships and people call it all membership and and at that time we were talking about okay how do we you know this whole idea of using technology to better engage our members while maintaining the engagement piece being more important than the technology piece came up. And uh, at that time also the current membership, um, see, uh, chief membership officer was leaving and this was supposed to be a three month kind of job I had while we looked for the next chief membership officer. <laughs> you know, still that, searching. That old, that old saying that when you go in and do a job well, watch the heck out <laughs> happen. Right. And, and and so we did a, a organization membership grew it is now the source of most of our members probably two-thirds of our members now come from organizational memberships as opposed to just individual memberships so we're doing something right along those lines well as
1: an association i think that was one of the smartest moves you ever made because i mean when for us you got me and maybe my meeting planner now you got everybody on your list getting your stuff learning what engagement how they can play into what they're doing in their daily life as an association professional. So I think that was a great move.
0: So Reggie, when you, when you came into this, this meeting a few minutes before we hit record, uh, I said, Hey, Reggie, how you doing? And, and you said, um, I, I don't remember the exact words, but basically like, I'm, um, I'm still ticking. Yeah. And, and so it raised the question, not the question so much, but I, I know you well enough to know that you just love, this work and and we started talking about regardless of of the paycheck regardless of what we have in the bank this is the kind of stuff that makes us happy and I can speak for the three of us because I know that's true. Uh, what is it and and then you started to say I, I wouldn't want to be a CEO because I really like what I do so explain to me a little bit about what it is you do that's different from the work a CEO does and why do you like this more?
2: So first of all let me just oppose it. That- not just against CEOs, but against anything else. This is the work I like to do. You know, I, one of the things that that I've always done is look at how can I make a positive difference? And so, you know, you know and you guys do the same thing. You serve on boards in your community. You get involved with, with Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts and whatever else you do. And, and if I think about the very unique situations that associations are in where we really are the safety net below the safety net, if you will, in, in this country. If you think about all the regulations and safety measures and standards and everything else that happen that, that support this, this country, associations do that. You know, they do that. They create that. I think the, the impact that this sector can have moving forward um, remains really strong. It remains really strong in shaping not only, you know, our members' lives, but our members' members' lives. The trickle-down effect of associations on society is much bigger than we than we even think about most of the time. So, so being at a place where I can help those organizations help society, um, if you will, is what drives me.
0: You're sounding a lot like a CEO. I don't understand what, what's the difference between, honestly, like that to me sounds like CEO language, You're like rallying the troops, saying, "Hey, we're we're in a great universe. Let's keep the universe growing." That's what a CEO would do. Yeah, wouldn't I'm,
2: it be cool if you if your statement would have been, "You sound just like an association
0: executive,
2: rather than just
0: a CEO"? <laughs> but see,
1: that's that not that would be cool. See, that's not the case today because it, it is not. <laughs> there's there, there's so many other elements to be, that a CEO's involved with that you don't get to do what Reggie does every day because you're 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 worried about what's the board going to do. You're managing them. You're orientating them. You're there's lots of leadership stuff. You're talking to employees all the time if you're a larger association. So I remember when I was in. 3 years of my life I was I started a nonprofit called Jack's Metro Live that reached into the lives of single people in Jacksonville it brought 600 together every as the largest event like it every single Thursday night to give life-giving messages great music and help them connect in a healthy environment and when I first started my passion was to reach the heart of a single adult to help them connect in and get learn relationship and life skills but what I became at the end of the time was a glorified fundraiser because I, there was so many responsibilities being the guy at the top that you had to make sure enough money was coming in. So, you know, if, if Reggie was a CEO, yeah, he could be rallying and shaping, but he'd be doing many different things as a CEO than he would be being a, a great number two, you know, going behind all that.
0: Hey Tom, were you uh-huh. single when you created this organization by any chance? I, I was when I started. All right. So it's interesting. It's interesting to me that you just, you don't just, Find a dating app and go date. You actually create a dating organization. I did, it's, which it, totally fits your personality too. Yeah, let like, me tell you, it, it transforms people's If it's worth lives. doing, it's worth overdoing. Is what your motto is, I think.
1: Go big or go home, my man.
0: <laughs> hey Reggie, let's yep. let's um let's stop philosophizing about our career paths, and I want to ask you some very specific questions about um, uh, engagement and technology and. Uh, member needs yeah. uh, there's nobody I've heard use the phrase member needs more than you and I would argue probably even more than me which is bizarre given that that's kind of a big element of, of prop fuel but and by all means just so you know I know you're a huge proponent of prop fuel this is not a podcast to <laughs> to promote prop fuel this really is a podcast designed to talk about issues in the industry sure. so w- let's talk about member needs. Um, but I really I do have a, an area that I want to take this into, and that is tech versus kind of human engagement. Yeah, so I it. Let's take I that it. second. So why, why are you so strong in human in member needs? And tell me what that means, because it's a very broad yeah. like thing, member needs.
2: Yeah. And I'm going to ask you guys to help me as we have this conversation. You know, there, there's this, this crazy place that I find us in from time to time, and, and not just ASAE, but but all organizations, and I watch it happen. I watch how excited we get when we're getting ready to create some new product or service. Everybody is, you know, um, into that, that creative space and let's get a group of members in to justify this thing and blah, blah, blah. And then we create the doggone thing and the attitude shifts to, we have to sell this thing and we develop a budget for it and some revenue goals for it and damn it, we're going to sell this thing. And it doesn't matter if members needs against that thing have changed over time. We're about selling that thing. And so I'm going to take this all the way to the end where how many associations do you know have things that they need to jettison that they just don't? because it hasn't yet met revenue goals or whatever it happens to be. And so my my contention is that this idea of what members needs is a constant thing. It's not a once a year thing. It's not a once every time we do our strategic planning thing. People's needs change all the time. Mm -hmm. So the engagement piece of this, members are engaged when you can be present at their point of need that's what engagement is being present at your members point of need i love and, it and so we started to adopt that i started to adopt that strategy with with my team years ago is what does it mean to be present at the point of need for your members well the first thing it means is you got to know where they need what they need right and so you know, I've spent, and Dave, I know you're tired of hearing this, and Tom, you will get tired of hearing this soon. I've spent the last couple of years of, of, of thinking about how do we make our systems listen, all of our technology systems listen, so that we know where those points of needs are. And, and so I, I often talk about. Uh, and, and Dave, I'll tell this story one last time. Tom, I don't know if you've heard it, but I was out talking to one of our organizational members.
0: Wait, wait, did you say one last time? This yeah, is yeah. the last time you're going to tell this story? Uh, I do no, not believe no, that, nor should not, you stop, because it's a good story, and I know exactly the story you're going to tell. Go I was on.
2: out talking to one of our organization members and uh, sitting around the table, and I was asking them what they need from us. You know, what kind of education systems do you need from us? What kind of data do you need from us? And there's this lady sitting off to the side oh, glaring at me. I'm like, why is she glaring at me? And I, I tried to ignore it for as long as I could, but then I finally looked at her and said, what? <laughs> and, she, and she walked through our systems. Tom. She said, Reggie, whenever I need something, I go to the ASAE website, I log in, I search. Sometimes I find stuff, sometimes I don't. Whenever I have a question, I go into collaborate. I always log in to collaborate. I ask questions, I answer questions, et cetera. She walked through all of our systems. And then she looked me square in my eye and said, you should not be here asking me what I need. You should know what I need. And I sat back and I finally looked at her and said, forgive me, you are exactly correct. And I went back the same day to my staff and I asked them this question, do our systems listen? And do our systems listen with the intent of discovering member needs? And obviously they looked at me blank faced because our systems didn't. Our systems conduct transactions. That's what our systems do. And so the, the conversation we began to have is what changes do we need to make in each and every one of our systems so that it's listening for need? And we started to do that and we've gotten creative enough that we've come up with this idea and concept of a need record (laughs) and what are the attributes of a need record and how do we store a need record so that our systems can act on it. Can you tell me what are some of those attributes. Um, Timing is an attribute. Um, Priority is an attribute. Um, I should have, if you would have known if I'd known you would ask me this question, I would have pulled that. It's stuff just up.
0: conversation, man. Yeah. It, it doesn't okay. need to be totally accurate just off the top of your head. So it, it's those
2: kinds of things. It's kind of veracity of, of needs. So, for example, if one person needs it, it means one thing to us. If 20 people need it, it's a bigger deal. Right. So, the idea of being able to capture these needs in a way that you can do what you do with other systems with. Can you aggregate them? Can you measure them? Can you count them? And the, the, the most important thing is can you do something about it? The action. Yeah. Can you do something about it? So and I know this isn't about prop fuel, but I'm gonna mention prop
0: fuel. Bring it on, Reggie.
2: Because what we've been able to do with prop fuel is to have a conversations with our members in a way that we discover need. And what we can also do with prop fuel is in certain cases take care of that need right then and there so it's it's that so
0: that's the action right
2: yeah so the, the second piece of all of this for me is how do you how do you change your system so that they listen and then how can you move them from systems of transaction to systems of action action amen how do you move from systems of record to systems of action
1: well so, you know Reggie, for me, a lot of associations may not understand the significance of why they need to do this now. because and, 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 and if you look, we just had a demographer on, Kenneth Grombach, who just shared with us, and I, I speak on this as well because I study it because I think it's so important, but when, there's two things that are, the next 10 years are going to drive associations to have to do this. One, there's, a, there's over 100 million people between the ages of nine and 34 right now Absolutely. And, and, when, and when you look at yours and my generation, the baby boomers, everybody says young people don't join anything. We didn't join anything in our 20s either because we didn't have the money. We got our We, we actually joined things when we got in our mid early to mid 30s. We got a first big promotion raise. and We had discretionary income to actually join something. So there's 100 million people. We're about to have the largest growth in association history. If if associations have value that are relevant to those people That's right now. Now, let's fast forward. Now, let's say they are now. So the wave is coming. And the wave is going to crush you with the number of people that could join. But how do you meet, a, a, if you could double your membership today, do you have the systems in place without a lot of people? Because the other facet this that's this impacting us the next 10 years is you're not going to easily be able to go out and find an engagement officers because there's nobody to hire. Right. We have a, a shortage of population of qualified workers, even for association work, for the next eight to nine years till all those millennials get into the workplace and make up what the Gen X are. So, those are the two driving factors in my face as why you need to do it. One, because the largest growth of history is coming in our face and we're, not, and we're going to have the shortest number of qualified workers to handle that. So how do you scale value and member engagement? You can only do it through uses of technology and systems. So I wanted to kind of chime in with that because I think that's going to be the key facet as to the why you need to do it and do it now.
2: And Tom, I'm going to back, it, back you up because... The, the lessons we learned when we went from organiz- when we went to organization membership. when we went to organization membership, um, we went from having we had we had been at twenty two thousand members for as long as I can remember. Sometimes it went up a thousand, sometimes it mm-hmm. we went down a thousand as long as we remember. In three years' time, we went from twenty two thousand members to fifty thousand members. Woo! that's in gross. Three years time. But, but, but to back up your statement, what, what also happened was the demographics of our membership changed. Yes. So we went from having mostly CEOs and senior staff people to having this influx of people all the way down the organization. Mm-hmm. So the need profile of, those, of our members in total changed. Exactly. And so, whereas the organization was used to serving here, and, and these kinds of needs, and I don't mean larger or smaller, they were at a, just a different place. We had to now figure out what folks at these other levels needed in the organization, which is very akin to what you said. If you got this influx of new people coming in, you cannot rely on what you think you know about those people. You have to have a way to discover what you need right. to know about those people. Right. And so systems start to take on a whole new non-transactional thing. They take on a listening thing. They take on a discovery thing different than what an association typically has in place.
0: So th- wait, w- w- there's two themes that I'm, I want to tackle for a second. One is this idea of member needs, yep. right? And And I'm pretty confident if you were to ask most association executives about their member needs, they would be able to tell you these are the top five, six, seven member needs. This is why people join, right? Member needs. But understanding member needs is much different than understanding what a member needs, right? right? So in what a member needs is referring to an individual, yes. not just an individual, but when an individual needs it. That's why I actually wrote down what you said, that engagement is being present at a member's point of need, a yeah. member's point of need. So you may have the top five things, but there may be one of those members out there that actually wants that sixth or seventh or eighth thing that you're not talking to them about because the vast majority of your members need all these things. So I think that's one point that I wanted to make. But the other, I think, really fascinating point that I've been diving into recently um, in terms of processing how to do engagement better is technology versus human engagement. Right. There's there's behavioral data, there's transactional data, there's intent and sentiment too. And that's what Mm -hmm. we focus less on. And intent and sentiment has much more to do with an individual. Well, I guess behavioral and transactional are very individually oriented too, but they're aggregated oftentimes. Now Technology, Tom, to your point, in order to scale this ability to engage, we need technology, but technology usually extracts the human, you know, takes the human out of it so that we can scale it, right? That only makes sense. What we've been thinking about is, how do you utilize technology to cover the vast majority of the engagement while also listening for those opportunities to bring, in your case, Reggie, Amy Hempel into the conversation? Or in certain cases, you I know recently you were brought into a conversation because something popped up. There was an alert that popped up and said, hey, Reggie needs to call this guy. So there's the combination of scaling with technology while uh, focusing humans in a way so that we know who they need to talk to, when they need to talk to them and what they need to talk to them about. So engagement is not just about automating. Well, it, it, there's a lot of automation. It's not just about digitizing and mechanitizing it. Is that a word, Tom? But on it, this
1: podcast, it
0: is. <laughs> it's, but it's about utilizing technology to identify when can we use robots and when do we need people.
1: Right. But let me let me share that balance with you because that's the sole reason when I came to MTI in 2005, we took my number one priority was to take everything that we have downloaded documents, buying documents, meeting registrations, everything that we have, and digitize it into an electronic format. Why? Because I didn't want our staff paying, uh, spending a whole lot of time on transactional transactions. Hey, I need to register. Hey, I need this download. Hey, I need this. I need this. I wanted my members to get to anything and everything in the palm of their hand or on a website so that we could do one thing. When a human interaction is needed, we can actually have conversations that are humanizing. Right. And, and how do you feel what do you need those kind of things we can have those extra conversations because before all we were doing was satisfying members immediate transactional need we wanted to get out of we wanted the website to be the transaction business we then wanted want to get into the emotional member connection business is what we wanted to and that's yeah. what you're so what you're saying Dave, to for me to connect the dot for people listening is technology allows you to scale to increase your engagement transactions So that your staff has more time to spend on people that actually want to have conversations over things.
0: Oh, yeah. Because right now, conversations are happening by happenstance for most organizations. Right. Like the squeaky wheel kind of gets the attention, right. right? But there's all these people out there that actually need some attention. And they're not screaming. They're not jumping up and down. And we're not giving them, we being the association world, we're not giving them the opportunity to say something regularly like they can they could figure out a way they could tweet it if they want they could go to website find a contact us link but we're not giving you know what i tell this story reggie this is my go-to story you know you got your dump truck and you got the woman that was glaring at you stories i've heard both of those this is one of my go-to ones that tom's probably heard i got three teenage boys actually one of them is 20 now he's not even a teenager and when i go for a ride with them the likelihood that they're going to talk to me is probably uh, two, two in, one in five, right? Two in 10 is what I was going to say, but let's bring that down. One in five. 20% of the time, I might get them to talk to me. Half of that, maybe one in 10, I might get them to actually like really voluntarily talk to me. And I have no idea when that's going to be. The other eight or nine times they're looking at their phone, they've got their, they will not cross like the midpoint because they don't want to make any, not even peripheral eye contact for fear that I'm going to ask them another question. So they're kind of like diagonally looking out the car, totally in the opposite side of the, (laughs) Yeah, or in their phone. But occasionally when they want to, I'm a sounding board, man, they'll they'll talk to me about stuff. They'll ask me stuff. It's, and it's awesome but Reggie. I've gotta be there. Uh, I gotta be present at my kids' points of need.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, when you, when you talk about need too, the way I look at it, I think, I think what, what the, the lady said to you, Reggie, was right on the spot. I think too many associations are asking, what do you, what do you need? And, and I think that's, I have, I've been saying this for 10 years. That's the wrong question. The right question is when you come to work every day, you're driving into whatever it is you do in your industry and you got to have pain points that just bug you to death. And what are those pain points for you every day? What what make what could be plugged in that would that would make that pain point go away? And somebody's going to say, you know, we can't find good people or there's not enough good training in our industry. Because it's in that moment when they say what their pain points are, that's Absolutely. when you then will know what they need. And I think most associations spend so much time asking asking the member to tell them what things they can innovate instead of just saying, it's like what um, what uh? Dave asked me the other day. He says, "What does a doctor do when he when he walks in to look at you?" He says, "How do you feel?" And you're about to tell him, "Well, well, my back hurts." Well, he knows what to do for that. Well, my arm hurts, you know, or, you know, I, I'm not sleeping well. So I think that's what we're not doing to members enough is asking them, "Where are your pain points in your daily work?" And then at that moment, you'll know what to do if you're look,
2: listening. Um, I, I'm I'm working on a a a kind of a different profile that will have um, in our system for our organizations, okay? And what that profile looks like, obviously it has the demographics of the organization. The trade association, with their budget, the revenue, but there's gonna be a place where they can tell us, here are the five major initiatives we're working on this year. Here's the time when we're gonna start those initiatives. And here's what I don't know about those things. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so imagine, and I'm a big believer in serendipity, okay? And I'm a bigger believer in intentional serendipity. How can we cause those things to happen? And so, You know, imagine that you're sitting at your desktop. you're getting ready to start working on your new marketing plan. And a week before you get this onslaught of information from ASAE about how to craft a marketing plan and how other organizations your size have done marketing plans and maybe some models and samples of marketing plans um, and a a connection to a conversation going on and collaborate about marketing plans simply because you told me that's one of the major initiatives you're working on. So it's that kind of intentionality that, that moves your systems from systems of record to systems of action. You know, What kind of things do you build in your system where you allow your members to do just what you said, not only tell you their pain point, but tell you the activities that they're gonna undertake that'll probably cause some pain points. Right.
1: <laughs> Well, you know what, what you could consider. I know in our industry, we have a big, uh, in the heat treating world, predictive maintenance is a huge thing. So, I Absolutely. mean, you got all this data. You can literally predict when, those, when the production is going to be low. So, you can take that furnace down so you can push the other work on the other furnace. So you can, because doing preventive maintenance on stuff is way cheaper than fixing it when it's broke. So, I like what you're doing in terms, you could call it predictive workflow. Yeah, Where you've got your workflows and SAA is going to plug in with predictive workflow and send you the right information at the right time to help you maximize your effectiveness for the task that you're doing. You know, and and I had, I'm going to start calling it predictive workflow because I you love it. it. You do I'm it, you do it.
2: I'm stealing that, buddy. You know, we get so fixated on what's the next thing we can sell. Right. Versus when's the next time we can serve. Right. And, and so I, I've always asked myself, and my team to kind of think about what's our sell versus serve ratio?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: What should that ratio be in our organization? You know, it's my contention that if I were to go through that scenario that I just went with you around the marketing plan, when I come to you next time about, re- about renewing your membership, that's a no brainer for you. Right. And, and what it becomes is not, oh, Tom, your dues are due you know, are you going to re-up? It's, what can I help you with next year? Right. You know, and so that's a different kind of relationship with your members, where right? You, where you, you know, in your cycle of things, you're not, the cycle isn't join, pay, renew. It's come, let me help you this year and then let me help you again next year. You know, I'm, I'm trying to have a different conversation with our members. Based on our capacity to be there at their points of
0: need. That's why. Give some examples, Reggie, of um, because I'm trying to bring this down a little bit. Like, okay. um, uh, you talk about how can I serve you? I, I so I met with a client recently. I, I don't think they'd mind me sharing their name. It's Audio Engineering Society. They're they're awesome. And I asked him in our kickoff meeting, like, so why do people join? And they're like, I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but basically they said, look, people join for the benefits, but they stay because of the people, which I thought was just awesome. I wrote a blog post about that after I heard it. It's really, really cool understanding of your members. Having said that, so I kind of hear a little bit of that in what you're saying, but instead of the people, you're kind of saying they stay because they can't imagine not staying, but can you give me an example of when you're talking about serving your members? Give me an example of like how you served members in a way that makes them say, "You know, I'm never leaving."
2: Yeah. So, so, and and this happens, and Tom can probably give you a thousand of these. This happens to me at least three or four times a week. You know, a member will call up and say, "Reggie, I'm 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 stuck here. I'm, I'm going through this process." Of, of trying to figure out what my next AMS system should be. You know, I've got two choices then. I can tell them, look, we got AMS demo days coming up soon. You know, that'll be happening in July. Here it is, it's is March right now. And you can attend that and you can learn all about AMS systems. Or I can take five minutes and, and say, what size organization are you? What's your budget for this project? Have you considered these things right here? You know there's several different models of AMS of, of solving this need. You can go the traditional route of having an AMS control of everything, or you can go more to a hub and spoke model of having a smaller thing in the middle and, and a peripheral. So you can have a conversation that gets down to what their need is. You can have a conversation right there to figure out what problem they're trying to solve. And then if it's appropriate, talk to them about products and services you might have, or, you know, again, sitting in this seat and doing this work the way I do, I probably know two or three other organizations who are walking down that same path. Wouldn't it be cool if you walked down that path with them, you guys can share knowledges and experiences and make a better decision for everybody.
0: Now, the caveat there, though, is you said you get four of these calls a week, give or take, whatever, but they've got to know to call you, Reggie and and it's interesting no, i wonder how it's do you think how and do you they think don't. they got your name where did you come from yeah
2: i i think so the 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 way we're trying to build the organization is that if anybody calls member services with that type of question they know how to route them
0: so, so member so, services will actually say hey you know what you should talk to reggie
2: yes or you awesome. should talk to this yeah. person you should talk to that person i mean that's you know if you start to make these things we've talked about part of the, the fabric of the organization so that everybody is understanding that if your member, are calling, member is calling calling you, they've got a job that they're trying to do. They have a need. And if you look at it from that perspective, it's different.
0: Yeah, awesome. They're not
2: trying to buy a book. They're trying to solve a problem. They're not trying to go to an education event because they can pay for it. They're trying to learn something. So it, it's a might seem like a subtle shift yeah. um, but it's a different thing. So, so, I,
1: so I, I've been living by a phrase that a guy said in an FSAE conference. He said, there's three questions your customer or a member are always asking you anytime you talk to them. One is, can I trust you? You know, if I can trust you, then I want then I want to do something with you. The second, which is what you're doing on your phone calls, Reggie, is do you care about me? If you just shove, shove them off to the next AMS event, you don't really care about them. You're just pushing them off the sun. But the moment you start asking questions, question, it shows one huge thing. You care. So can I trust you? And do you care about who I am and what my needs are? And thirdly, when I do do something with you, are you going to do it with absolute excellence? If you can answer those three questions, yes, then you got a, you got a member or a customer or an employee, hook, line and sinker. Can I trust you? Do you care? And will you do it with excellence if we do something together? And I think that's that's the difference of, of what you're doing is you're one, you're showing, look, I'm giving you information and they're building trust. And because you're spending time on the phone, you're definitely showing that you care about what, where they're at. And then obviously, you know, through how you com- converse, they're going to be able to dictate, are you going to do it with excellence or not? And I think that's kind of a key that associations are missing in some cases when they just become very transactional and needs based instead of saying, do we really care about who we're serving? You know? And that spreads
2: like wildfire. If you yeah. do that for two or three people, that starts to spread, and people understand that, you know. And and I'm gonna plug Dave one last time here. But the reason why I use prop fuel, um, Tom, and, and if I didn't have prop fuel, I'd have Dave creating something else to do this. Is I can automate kindness a little right. bit, you right. know. I can, you know. One of the things that I've asked uh, one of my staff to do is listen to me, have these conversations with somebody so that, that or listen to another person on staff, have the conversation so you know what the sequence of questions is um, that a person who has this need has. So, so you know if we can get that down, if, if we can figure out, you know within some intentionality, when somebody calls with this kind of an issue, what are they really trying to do? Right. So so what I'm trying to do with with Prop Fuel is start conversations with people that end up surfacing need. That's all I'm trying to do. Yeah. I'm not trying to market, I'm not trying to sell. I'm trying to figure out what people need. And we do it in a way that we find out what individuals need, but you can best believe I'm aggregating that stuff on the back end. Right so I can know what individuals like this need or individuals in small staff associations need or individuals who happen to be CEOs need. And you know, it starts to build on itself. You start to build this database of, of question and answers that's, that, that surface and answer needs.
0: Well, listen, Reggie, we've already kept you longer than we said we would. We typically wrap with, um, why'd you laugh at that? Was that expected?
2: No, because we could talk about this stuff for I days. Know, I, know. <laughs> I, know, I, I
0: know. I've never done this before, but I actually wrote down one, two, three, four, five quotes that you said because I want to bring it back to my team to share them. But uh, what the way we normally wrap this thing is we'll each take away, uh, comment on our, our key takeaway from the last 30 or so minutes. So I'm going to give you a chance to, to ruminate on that. Tom, you want to start?
1: Yeah. You know, my one takeaway is start today, don't waste another day trying to figure out your member needs without first having technology in place that'll help you scale that process, given the fact that we have our largest growth wave of potential members coming to us. And we have the least amount of qualified employees in the future for the next eight years to service and find that out. Engage technology, no matter who you use today to figure that
0: process out. That's, that's, yeah obviously I, I preach that every day however the interesting takeaway for me is the relationship between the human and the technology and something reggie just said a minute ago uh, was listen to me ha- this is one of the things i wrote down listen to me have this conversation so we know how to and then i just kind of summarize the rest of what you said automate basically mm-hmm. and the way the way you build processes is you look at the way the human does it you document it in great detail And then you make it more efficient you optimize it at that point right and so that's kind of what we're doing so i'm proposing actually quite the opposite you're saying let's make sure we have the technology i'd say maybe not start with but part of the process is to and this is my takeaway is to look at what the human does to drive engagement what questions are we asking when are we talking to them that's what we got to focus on so that we can replicate the human activity with machines and then utilize humans when we really need humans. Yep, Reggie, what's your takeaway?
2: Probably probably a couple of things. And some of this, um, uh, I love listening to Tom when he starts to talk about this stuff, because he's got a, such a human touch to being a CEO, a human touch to running an organization.
0: He is a lover. I'll tell you that, man. Yeah.
2: And I think, one of the things I remember the, um, the late John Graham saying to me was that members join because of what you say you can do, okay? Members stay because they get to do what they need to do. And, and so that separated out for me, the marketing of an organization from the engagement of an organization. And it, it also separated out for me Messaging that you do to masses and serving that you do to individuals, you know, there's this serve sell ratio that's really important and we're so fixated on the sell part we've got wonderful marketing systems and wonderful transaction capturing systems and all of that. If we start to focus at least 50% of our time on what does serving through technology look like um, I think we'll come up with some different answers
0: serving through technology yeah that's a fifth or sixth one i'm writing down serving through technology i like that all right reggie henry um i really really appreciate your time yeah man uh, appreciate, appreciate
1: it, you being here reggie this is always good to see and connect with you i said it's a pleasure to do at any time
0: tom i'm enjoying doing these with you too I, I actually really look forward to these conversations um, i do too uh, man this is just a love fest i know Thank you, guys. (laughs) All right, my man.
1: We hope you gained some inspiration that will help you run an efficient and effective association just like a business and maybe laugh a little with us. If you have a topic you would like to hear us talk about or if you just want to reach out to us for any reason, you can contact us at Tom at TomMorrison.biz or Dave at PropFuel.com.
0: Give us a review if you haven't already. And don't forget, subscribe and share with your friends.